Welcome everybody for this new episode of the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. Today we invited Kun de Smet. Kun is a director in a consulting firm and specialized in treasury transformation projects. In the episode of today, Kun walks us through what is the role of systems in treasury and the main function of the TMS, the treasury management system. We today really focus on understanding what are systems used for, what are the tasks that can be done through them, why would you even use systems, what type of company, or as of when a company needs systems in treasury. Of course, expect also to learn what is a TMS and what are its main functions. You may hear a small echo in the recording that we could not fix in the post-productions, and we would like to apologize for that. The episode is very insightful though, so we hope you can enjoy it regardless. Last but not least, before getting into the episode, some small flash informations. We published an ebook. If you are dreaming of finding a book explaining the ABCs of corporate treasury, well, do not search anymore. We got you covered. Head to the link in the description to download it. And the best part, it is completely free. Also, if you like the podcast, or if you want to support us, or if you do not want to miss any of the episodes in the future, or all of the above, well, subscribe to the podcast. Oh, and you can also give us a good rating in the meantime. That makes Usam and I very, very happy. It also helps the podcast to be found more easily by other treasury aficionados. And yeah, it's very good for the referencement. So please do not hesitate. With all that being said, please welcome Kun the Smith. Kun, welcome to the podcast. Super happy to have you here. Thank you, Guillaume. Thank you. Also happy to be here. It's gonna be it's gonna be very exciting. So maybe before we get into uh, the topic, can you quickly introduce yourself for the people who might not know you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a uh, Um I'm a part of a treasury advisory team of a big four uh, consulting <laughs> firm. I'm a, I'm a director and I'm specialized, as I mentioned, in treasury advisory, mainly for corporate treasuries. Okay. And yeah, and within that, I'm uh, actually more helping corporates to transform their treasury organizations with specialization in treasury technology. Awesome, which is spot on because, so we talked about a lot of topics on this podcast already, uh, but we never talked about systems. And I think you're the perfect person for that. Can you, uh, to begin with, what's a system actually? When we talk, of course, of the financial world and in a corporation, what's a system? Well, a system is basically a, first of all, a, a repository of capturing transactions. And transactions could mean different, uh, you know, the classical AP and AR uh, invoices, basically. Okay. Going until, you know, payroll records, but in Treasury, we of course talk about other type of transactions that are captured in systems. Okay, so AP and AR, just like let's say people do not have any knowledge of what this could be. What are those terms exactly? Well, account payables, accounts receivables. Uh, everybody must have received an invoice uh, in his or her life. Yeah, uh, that is typically captured in an ERP. Uh, I use that as a kind of a example um, of why uh, systems are used in let's say corporate worlds uh, and for treasuries specifically 
uh, a system is then used to capture treasury-related transactions and data points as a first element, and secondly, to enable or to enable the digitization or digitalization of workflows within a system. Okay, so digitalization is a super interesting topic. Why, to, to begin with, why is it important to capture those transactions? What's what's beneath that? Well, as an example, eh, some uh, some of the corporate treasuries that we work with have, let's say, hundreds of bank accounts. First of all, okay. Um, so imagine that you are as an individual person having, you know one or two bank accounts at maybe one or two one maximum two banks you can go to two electronic banking systems and you can capture your account information there if you're a corporate treasury you basically have a plus hundred plus thousand some of the corporates bank accounts so ideally you capture that all in one system and you don't have to go to i don't know 20 different platforms to capture your bank account uh, bank statement information as okay. a as a first element okay and therefore you can capture correctly what's happening on those bank accounts and help you with driving your treasure. Exactly, exactly. A second element, for example, is uh, a function of corporate treasury, um, which I'm sure you have covered already, is uh, financial risk management, right? Yes, it's okay, this one we have. <laughs> so Yeah, okay. And so the system, well, we're gonna come to uh, financial risk management. The second point you mentioned was Digitization, um, well, obviously, the, that speaks by itself, right? A lot of corporations try to digitize their processes and so on. Why do you want to do so in finance and more precisely in treasury? Why you need digitization in treasury? Yes. Well, just because of the vast majority of uh, transactions that a treasury team is dealing with, mm -hmm. uh, which is typically quite large amounts of data and transactions to be dealt with, which is almost impossible or um, it's very error-prone and high-risk if you do that offline, i.e. in an Excel. Um, secondly, a treasury function is typically a lean and mean function, which is uh, not uh, stuff. Therefore, um, mm -hmm. being able to kind of uh, automate some of these elements in the system is, uh, is essential to be able to be, to truly act as a value-add function. Interesting. Okay, so you'd rather have a system doing a lot of operations, repetitive operations, I guess, rather than having somebody or numerous people doing it by themselves. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So to a certain extent, automate what you can automate to avoid uh, somebody manually having to do a repetitive action that mm -hmm. essentially can be automated uh, or semi-automated in a workflow or a tool. Okay, and I imagine the bigger the company, the bigger the amount of bank accounts, as you mentioned earlier, so the more relevant becomes the systems in, uh, in Treasury. Exactly, yeah. There is, uh, that's what you see also with, the, let's say, companies that are fast growing, that they've outgrown almost their Treasury yeah. function, uh, and that their Treasury function is still operating as a, uh, let's say, a smaller or medium-sized company, mm -hmm. uh, that suddenly then requires to catch up to be able to catch up with the company's complexity as such as well. Okay. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned earlier the financial risk as well. So I know I've read on LinkedIn sometimes people do not call it a treasury management system, but a treasury risk management system. What's the dimension of the financial risk here in the system? How does it help? So it will capture the transactions, right? When you do your hedges, for instance, but what else? What's in there? Yeah, so so it, it starts, of course, with um, exposure uh, risk management, exposure management, right? So ultimately, if you want to hedge, 
you yeah. need to understand what your exposures are and typically Absolutely. exposures are fx exposures so foreign exchange that are arising from the balance sheet or off the balance sheet mm -hmm. secondly you have um if you have floating rate debt you basically have interest rate risk yes uh, that requires to be hedged um and some companies uh depends on the business of course also have commodity uh risk and those are your exposures as a number one secondly and then when you have exposures and you have a hedging strategy that defines that you want to protect yourself against market um, volatility yeah. you would hedge those and capturing those hedges and operating those trades would happen in a treasury management system awesome um, so among all the terms you just mentioned we covered most of them in the podcast and um, i just like to come back on one you, you said exposure on and off balance sheets can you can you quickly walk us through that what does that mean yeah so basically on balance sheet uh, coming back to my very earlier point around ap and ar yes so that means as soon as you book an invoice uh, it's it's on your balance sheet right that means that it is a um uh, an exposure that is uh, that is out there that can be hedged off okay. balance sheet means a forecast of an expected let's say future sale or receipt okay um, we see for example companies in project related businesses doing a lot of cash flow hedging which is typically off balance sheet okay so Typically, what you're sure is going to happen will be on balance. I mean, in an ideal world where everything happens as it should, on balance sheet would mean oh, it's an invoice that has been issued, so it will happen. And off balance sheet would be more, it's something that we predict, foresee, but it's not, I mean, the amount may vary. That's, uh, exactly. There's more uncertainty around that. So typically, you would see companies not 100% hedging their exposure, but rather okay. um, taking a bit more a prudent approach there okay or gamble the them out of it and hope for the better on the market that's mm -hmm. also question, i guess okay yeah. um anything else in the role of systems in treasury because that was going to be one of my questions but i feel we covered it uh with the like reconciliation recording of the transaction the financial risk aspect of it anything yeah, else? it's of course the what i briefly touched upon as well your funding and investments right so mm -hmm. Some companies have a shortage in cash, some have excess in cash. So Absolutely. that means uh, you need to be able to track your loans, your debt issuance, your investments that you put at banks, your money market funds. Okay. Um, that is all captured in treasury management systems. Last, lastly, there's also cash management. So basically, yeah, if you have those thousand bank accounts, um, mm -hmm. which are then typically part of some sort of a pooling structure that needs to be tracked accordingly in a treasury management system. Yeah. And then you, of course, have um, your treasury accounting, right? So once you captured all those transactions, you need to account for them. Yes. Uh, that's then also operated by the treasury management system that in most cases serves as a sub-ledger to the general ledger uh, to basically create the accounting entries and typically interface them to an ERP back again as well. Okay, so cool. that, that those are a lot of fancy words. I, I love it. So th that's really clear. Just to summarize this, I would say that the system is just used to record and track everything so you can drive your financial decisions in the most efficient way. That's right. that good. Okay. Um, and regarding the treasury accounting, that's for some reasons. I don't really like it. Something we didn't cover in the podcast yet. Um, but so what, what is happening in here? So sub-ledger, general ledger, what do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me try to uh, try to explain that. So um, no pressure. If you, 
<laughs> if you have a uh, if you have a let's say an uh, a forward an FX forward, right? That means yes. I'm buying and selling uh, a currency against another currency uh, at a future date, right? Yes, yes. That means that that trade will of course uh, requires to be tracked uh, in your uh, in your accounting so for example at month end you would yes. do typically a mark to market right to understand what's the value of my forward right now today so you compare it to the rate that are currently on the market against exactly. the one you contracted it at exactly without going into the details as to how to do that okay that means that that uh, let's say um, unrealized profit and loss that yes. that trade will bear has to be booked and that gets booked at month end typically by a treasury management system and that's why okay. i'm saying a sub ledger because it only captures uh the treasury related accounting entries within its system and it will then interface those to the general ledger where everything else is captured your balance sheet your pnl and so forth that is then um tracked there accordingly Super clear. Thanks a lot. Sorry, that was a bit of a, an unplanned question, but super clear. And the general ledger will be at the ERP level, I imagine, or something like that. Yes, that is typically the case. Super clear. Does every company have a treasury-related system, or as of when do we have a treasury system? Well, there's no golden rule as to um, you know when you should get a treasury management system in terms of, for example, um, uh, total turnover of a company right um, mm -hmm. let's say as of one billion you should get a system there's no such rule as that okay. i think you need to look at your um complexity in which you operate yeah and then uh, that will define basically what are my broader treasury requirements or needs mm -hmm. and then that will then define whether you need the system or not right and it will also depend again on the volume of transactions and so forth Okay. Here's an example. If you have a company that purely operates within, let's say, a single country, mm -hmm. just as an example, taking Belgium, um, and has just purely has transactions within Belgium, has no foreign exchange risk, has yeah. only a handful of bank accounts, a treasury management system might be overkill. However, okay. if the company starts to grow and starts to export and import from various countries and therefore has foreign exchange risk, has bank accounts all over the world, Mm -hmm. then it becomes suddenly unmanageable to do that outside of the system and that would be then you know uh when the re company would start requiring a system to to do things uh properly efficiently and without uh, I, reducing risk okay so it's not that much about the size of the company but about the complexity of its financial transaction operations however we mentioned as of when you start to have a lot of transactions and a lot of bank accounts, I guess the bigger the company, the higher the amount of those, right? So it's it can also be linked to that. But it's more first criteria is more complexity of the treasury landscape than um, than the actual assets. Okay, yeah. um, very interesting. And is there, yeah, is there a moment where it becomes critical? So you are in multiple war, uh, multiple countries. Sorry. You have FX uh, hedges or FX exposure, at least, that you might want to hedge. You have bank accounts throughout the world, different currencies, um, loans, as you mentioned, with variable interest rates and so on. There it becomes critical to have a treasury management system. Yeah, I mean, that's that's every company, of course, to decide that uh, amongst themselves. Uh, um, I think if, if indeed the if your company starts to, you know, 
outgrow your supporting functions, then your supporting functions probably need to grow with you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that that is, again, there's no kind of uh, left or right answer here. It's, it's more um, the companies to be evaluated themselves. You can basically, you know, increase your team with 10 FTEs and yeah. still do it offline. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that those none of those 10 FTEs will ever make a will ever make a mistake. While they can still make a mistake in the treasury management system, it mm -hmm. would be much more controlled, much more centralized, um, and so forth. So um, that I think is a each company to define it themselves. But typically, um, the answer is pretty obvious. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so not depending on the risk appetite here, but how they want to. How far they want to automate the processes and how digital they want their landscape to be. Yeah. Very clear. Um, just a technical question on the treasury management system. Right. Systems related to treasury. How do they work exactly? Is it a license? Most of the people know about SAP, right? And Oracle. Um, but when it comes to systems in treasury, are we talking about um, software as a service? Are we talking about licenses now? How does it work exactly? What's, what's the process? So, similar to other systems, I think what we are seeing in the market is a mm -hmm. um, very big shift towards SaaS. And let me try to spell it in full. So, that software as a service. Um, and, and SaaS applications is more and more, let's say, the way to go. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, what you can get is a treasury management system. You could either, let's say, install what they call on-premise which is a bit what we saw 10, 15 years ago, where most corporates were basically installing that service on their own server sites, right? Okay. So uh, how ERPs were typically done. Now we are seeing a shift towards, and those are, let's say, option two and three, towards a private cloud. That means, uh, and those okay. that is often a term that is used interchangeably with, with uh, SaaS, but that's actually not correct. So private cloud is where a vendor a uh, system vendor will host the application on their server sites, but you basically have a uh, your own private application, let's say, at that uh, at that vendor, uh, your own private database. Whereas with SaaS, you're basically are accessing a software and a solution that is also accessed by other corporates. Everybody has, of course, his or her part or his part of the the database, um, but it's it's um, it's all managed by the vendor. And the big difference is uh, system upgrades in a SaaS application. An upgrade is done on the fly, basically over the weekend. Mm -hmm. In all the two other options I mentioned, on premise or private cloud, that is done uh, as in a, let's say a mini project that that requires. Um, specific handling because of the nature of of, uh, of that deployment or installation so so you're now even anticipating my questions um, but so why would anybody go for the private cloud sorry <laughs> private cloud solution then if you need every time to mobilize some resources in order to do this mini project rather than having the software company just updating it over the weekend why would you choose a private cloud yeah. there, there is some vendors and applications that basically are not yet offered as a SaaS solution that's number okay. one basically you don't have the choice okay. the, most, the most important difference is a uh, the customize yeah, the configuration uh, and customization ability of mm -hmm. SaaS applications there's a certain limit to that because you're all using you know the same software the same okay. functions and not everybody can 
kind of uh, get all their wishes in the system and customize <laughs> certain things or workflows because they're also used by other um, uh, okay. corporations, let's say. In a private cloud and an on-premise solution, you have much more flexibility there where you can basically get your own custom solutions mm -hmm. uh, in the system. Awesome. So it's about having a standard product that everybody uses the same version of or having it customized for. Is it something corporations seek a lot, a lot, sorry, like having something very tailored for the triggering function because of the complexity of it? Or what's the, what's the state of the market on that? The, again, there's a big evolution been done there that uh, mm -hmm. if you 15 years talk to a corporation, they will typically come with their requirements and kind of force fit the system of the vendor to meet those requirements and specific needs. And therefore, you would typically have more um, customizations because, you know, there is a certain process that needs to be uh, installed in a system and it's not standard and it requires uh, coding changes of the software. Okay. What we are seeing today is that um, a lot of corporations are very hesitant to get customizations in the solutions because that means if you do an upgrade later on, it becomes more, um, uh, yeah, there's more, there's more work, more cumbersome. Exactly, that was the word I was looking for. So that, that I think is a key thing, uh, um, and that's what we are seeing. That uh, more and more standard solutions are basically adopted by corporations that are offered by the vendor, and uh, processes are rather changed than trying to change systems. Mm -hmm. A second element is that, um, and that's mainly the bigger corporations, then if they have a specific need or requirement, they will try to sit together, uh, let's say, strategically with the vendor to get this into the core product. So basically, okay. the requirement in the core product, and then it's part of uh, the offering for everybody, which is, I think, the better way to go for it. Okay. So if you have negotiation strength, power, however we call it, uh, enough as a big, massive corporation, you can even... Influence how the software that, is That's one, of course, your your weight. But secondly, it's also the relevance of a certain requirement for other uh, corporations. If okay. if the vendor sees value in this, they will for sure look into that to add to their core product. Which would make sense. Okay, and so entering into the technicalities a bit, but it's super interesting. Uh, but it's super interesting. The would the solution not be to add some options into the standard products, and you just unlock those parts of the SaaS, if you pay more, or is that not something doable? So big corporations might actually just go to their vendor and ask for an additional option module configuration whatsoever that would be implemented into a standard operating of this vendor. If you have a SaaS, so something not, not a private cloud, could the company say, OK, everything is on SaaS, but if you want some customization, we have them accessible in an optional module, for instance, and you can just decide to activate them or not. Is that something that is possible, or am I completely out of? Not, not to my knowledge. Um, okay. But it's actually a good question. So um, you could then, you know, look into. I'm not going to call it workaround solutions, but add-on, add-ons to your treasury management system, right? So mm -hmm. basically, you know, for example, have an RPA tool that kind of pulls data in and out your system to achieve the same. Uh, okay. As an example, so robotics process automation. Um, but, but I think more importantly is um, there's user groups, right, of vendors that are meeting annually, biannually. Okay. Um, requirements are being shared, uh, I think, sitting at the table together with your vendor in a, on a strategic manner. 
mm-hmm. to kind of talk through your needs, think through together, um, and, and ultimately get things on the roadmap to develop. Uh, to get developed is, I think, uh, the better way to go for this. Um, okay. But of course, speed of execution uh, is sometimes important. <laughs> Therefore, um, uh, workarounds, as I mentioned in the beginning of my answer, uh, are sometimes opted for in the beginning. Okay. Super clear. That's good. The vendors are listening to the actual user and implement changes on the go. Mm-hmm. Very clear. 